taste of dragon's gaming podcast. We eat sandwiches and play games. Taste of dragon's gaming podcast. A podcast for everyone's day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Taste of Dragons, the Toddcast, the video game podcast that all you mouses listen to. This week, the metal sign points out towards the parade. The news is baking pies. Our topic is cheesy, and our dragon this week is bringing light to his experiences. Hazelight founder, Joseph, I don't know why I messed up the name, Hazelight founder, Joseph Fares. And as always, my name is Brian. My name is Troy. I'm Hassel. And I'm Joe. Hey guys, we're down uh, two people this week. Amanda couldn't join us, and neither could Lewis, so it's just us. Just us this week, though. This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> but I still have a question to ask you guys, all right? Let's do it. If there was a mouse Thunderdome, who would you put your money on? Uh, Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse? Okay, that's yeah. a good one. I mean, it's that's like the Superman one. of Mouse, right? It is. He is. I just don't know if he's bloodthirsty enough. You know. <laughs> got it. Okay. I don't know if he has. Uh, until Zack Snyder directs a movie with him in it, I don't know if he's got the. I don't know if he's got the gall. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm ready to see Mighty Mouse cry. Is it okay for that? Is it possible that Speedy Gonzalez can run as fast as a bullet? In which case, he can just like run through his competition. He could. Mm. I also don't know if he's got it in him. Like I, don't I just know. don't he's, know he's if he's got nice. it in him. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think Speedy can get down if need be. You think so? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What no, about you, Joe? I'm in a really hard time with this, actually. Okay. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to remember if uh, it was Itchy or Scratchy that was the mouse from The Simpsons. Oh. But I can't oh, yeah. remember which. Yeah, and, that's But I a good feel one. like that one's like immortal and bloodthirsty. Yeah. So right. like Fair. you've got Jerry from Tom and Jerry, and, I, I think but Jerry, only immortal and bloodthirsty. I think Jerry's so, the like, choice here. Yeah, Jerry's a good choice. I see. I would have went Mighty Mouse because I'm kind of with you, Troy. He's yeah. the Superman of mice. He is. Like he's he's unstoppable, mm-hmm. but he's not immortal. So mm-hmm. maybe I would go with. I think it's itchy. I think it's itchy. Let's go with that. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> let me know. Because yeah, they've chopped up a million up. times before. But here's the thing: is like they're not great fighters. Like like those itchy and scratchy, right. they go down very quickly. I've seen them die many, many times. Well, so, so like, here, I've had some time to kind of like think over my my pick of uh, Speedy okay. Gonzalez, and I'm gonna go ahead and change it. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna choose Pizza Rat from <laughs> from that from that rat. New York video. The video where the pe- <laughs> where the rat had when? to like take the pizza up a set of steps because in order for a rat to survive in New York City, oof, that rat's got to be tough. Wow, fair. Uh, that's yeah. fair. I mean, you know what? That, that's not a bad idea. Uh, my choice is uh, is with Fivel from Fivel Goes Ooh. West. He literally dreams about shooting people with guns, <laughs> like. <laughs> so I want to say something dark about America, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Wait a second, though. Wait a second. Fivel also sings, though. So at best, that makes him like the Tina Turner of like the the, the Thunderdome of mice. That means that they they run the show. They run the show. Right? Not yeah. Be in it. They run. The I could Thunderdome. see that. I could see Fivel running Thunderdome. Look, we, we know- okay, wait. I changed mine. I'm going with Tanya, his mouse sister from Fivel oh, okay. Goes West, because she was able to charm <laughs> cats into not killing her and eating her. She'll Guys. just start singing about the girl you left behind, and no one will be able to do anything to her. So Tanya's my. That's my choice. If that's a good you choice. had, I would remember Tanya from Fivel Goes West on my bingo card tonight. I would have lost. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> something that I ever thought would be in my mind this evening. All right. So so with five will actually running the place, then I will change my answer to Mrs. Brisby from The Secret oh. of Nim. This is so, these are so many deep guys, mouse poles. Oh my god. Because <laughs> she will take care of business no matter what. At this point, would. At this point we just have to make like a March Madness bracket of mice. Because I mean now I'm thinking about that rat that like beat up like the um the steak in Ratatouille. Because that that dude obviously can box, right? Yeah, he can. I feel it's, like it's, it's wow. a good. It's, the rats make their own coalition because at first they're not allowed to be in the Mouse Thunderdome, but then they have to like exactly. prove themselves that like no, we have a place here, and it's all it's a whole story. It's a long saga, at least three to four parts. Just just the <laughs> yeah. just the rebellion alone, the rat rebellion. It is. It is. The rat guys would would <laughs> just own them all anyway, and so they're he, he, like. Like Mickey Mouse, he can fight. He's got the Keyblade. We know he's ruthless. You know he's ruthless. I've seen the Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you wouldn't know that he's actually like in charge. But he really is in charge. You can't get past that, that guy. 
<laughs> Fair enough. But you know what? Let's get into our games this week, y'all. What are you playing? And this week, uh, Troy, would you like to start us off? Yeah, I am playing Signs of the Sojourner. A uh, 2020 game came out May of last year made by Echo Knight Games. Uh, this is like a role-playing, adventure, card deck-building narrative. You know what? It's so much. Uh, I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm just going to read the description from Steam. <laughs> because <laughs> It's, it's going to be able to explain it so much better than I can. Sign to the Sojourner is a narrative card game about relationships and connecting with people. Your deck is your character, reflecting your experiences and shaping your relationships. Make decisions about who your character is in this world by pushing forward with the cards you're dealt. And if that line felt metaphorical, welcome to this game. Because it is <laughs> it is all metaphor, but it's brilliant. So now explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Say you're you're having a conversation like uh, with your brother, right? Yes. Okay. Now now you're a pretty empathetic person, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. consider mm-hmm. yourself empathetic? Absolutely. Um, so imagine that your empathy was physically manifested as like a deck of cards and you had your five empathy cards in front of you. Um, let's say for argument's sake that your brother is more of a logical person. Is uh-huh. that, or, or how would you describe, I guess, your brother's personality? He's very logical. I okay, would say logical. So. Yeah. so if they're a logical-based person, then they have a deck that's filled with logic cards. But just like with conversations, sometimes you have empathy and logic on the same card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this game manifests these um, conversational styles, these personalities with symbols. And it's almost like a puzzle game. When your brother plays that logical card, it'll start off logical on one end of the card, and the Mm -hmm. other end may have an empathy card. So now you want to play your card that starts with empathy, but since you know he's logical, you want to end your card with logic so that he has some place to start from. Okay, so there's like a definite like dominoes type thing going on where like you have to match Mm -hmm. the thing before to play something else. Right, and since you know your brother, you want to try and make the conversation um, successful Got but it. like I said, you only have the cards you're dealt. And sometimes mm. you don't have a card that has the logic symbol on it. Maybe you have a card that just has empathy on both sides of your card. So if your brother puts up logic and then you try to put empathy on that, he's going to be like, I don't understand what we're talking about. And the conversation fails. Wow. And if you think about like Mass Effect or one of those dialogue driven games where like you make a decision and then that is what happens. In this, if your conversation goes wrong, then you get into an argument. And that's what happens in the game. Your your relationship sours. That's interesting. And you come across all different types of personalities, whether it's empathetic and observant, diplomatic and logical, industrious and curious, direct, stubborn, distressed. They all have different cards and they make up people. They make up you, like who you are and who the people you're reacting are. And they have a really dope story that goes along with it. And to be short, your your mother passes away and your mother was in charge of this business selling like shots, shots. Chotskis? Chotskis? Never knew how to say that word. Chotskis? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so with your mom kind of out of the picture, you and your your, your brother slash friend, you're like, we got to keep mom's business going. She mm-hmm. would go all over the land collecting the most interesting things to bring back to her shop to sell. But now that falls on your shoulders and you have to get them through conversation. Oh, that's cool. Y'all. Y'all, this game, what it has done to me as every part of it where I'm just like, I get what they're doing. I get what they're doing. They take the game mechanics of a card game like Slay the Spire or a deck building game. And they just they turn that metaphor button off up. There's one card called Accommodate, which is like pretty much you copy the card before you. So if I'm playing my hand, right? Mm-hmm. And someone says something like super stubborn or whatever or super logical, and I'm like, I don't have a card to match that. I can just play the accommodate card, which is blank, and just turns into the previous card, which is the equivalent when you're in a conversation and then you don't know what's happening. So you just nod your head and then repeat what that person said. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you what? just nod your head and you just you just repeat what they said. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's great because inside you're buying time to try and catch up on the conversation to, to to like understand what's going on. And they make that a game mechanic. 
You play that card in the hopes that you'll get another card that can match what's there. It's brilliant. The art is brilliant. It's all hand-drawn. The story is beautiful. It's one of the most unique takes on a card game slash narrative game that I've seen. And also, again, you honestly have to play to really understand but it it's beautiful. It's beautiful. This sounds like the perfect cool. like Troy game. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. You it can't explain in... it. It's very beautiful. Um, it's and, very empathetic. Yeah. It has you it's like empathetic. it has you like reach in and like be in touch with your own emotions. And, and it like, starts from a place of sadness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> All right, so that was Troy the Game. I mean, Signs of the Sojourner. <laughs> and uh, I'll go next. Uh, the game I played is nowhere near like that. It's uh, Outriders. I uh, finally was able to get back into it. I've been wanting to play this game for a while now. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, I ended up jamming my finger, uh, my middle finger, when I was going up the stairs. Like, I, I happened to trip, and my, my finger just went directly into the banister. So it was, it was hurting for a bit. From now on, you have to give the stairs the finger every yeah. time. Yeah, you do. That, you that just finger, do. Yeah. You have not to. only that, but I would probably suggest not going up the stairs with your hands. Fair. That's fair. You know, that was that was my first that was my first thing I did right. wrong. And You're I right. would suggest just just don't go upstairs ever again. Get, yeah. Get that, someone that, to find another way. Too. Get someone to carry you. I don't know. Get one of those cool machines. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for the last two weeks, I haven't been able to play because as I come to realize, my left middle finger is what I use to do the W and S key in order to move forward and backwards, which mm. is, you know, kind of important in a in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, it's going to be better in a couple of days. All right. It's going to be better in a week. All right. It's going to be, you know, I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. I'm just, I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to start playing again. And uh, yeah, it's not feeling great, but it's also not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But Outriders is, is such a good game. I'm, I'm so sad I couldn't play for two weeks, but going back into it, playing the story, uh, it's, it's, it's my type of game mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying the absolute heck out of it. Story-wise, it's, it's very much like Game of Thrones meets like some sort of fantastical setting. Meets Mad Max. <laughs> Yeah, like just meets some something something else. Like it's it's so fantastical yet so set in reality. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are we talking like Game of Thrones season eight? Game of Thrones? No, or are no, we no. Talking good, like, oh, okay, no. Okay, good, okay. good Game of Thrones. Good <laughs> like season yes, two, so, season three. Yeah, the book Game of Thrones. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm loving this game. I'm so sad. Like the way I've been playing it is. I'm not lowering the difficulty level as I'm playing it. Right. I'm keeping the world tier the because there's different it, world think. tiers, which which the game gets harder as you go through it. Right. But if you die during a world tier, your world tier experience goes down. So you can't actually progress to the next world tier unless you get better. Like it's right. not going to you can't get to like world tier 10 if you can't successfully complete world tier nine without dying. Right. And it's been very helpful, actually, because there's been a couple of sections I've just died in like five times and it set my world tier back like by half the experience. And I was like, damn it. Now I got to redo this all over again. But it's good because it also makes it so like it gets me accustomed to that specific difficulty level. Now, your world tiers, while they are also tied to your difficulty, they're also tied to your loot, I believe. Right. Yes. Are you, are, so when you get knocked back world tiers or difficulties, are you not getting like better loot or the loot you would need to take on those harder uh, levels harder worlds no no, no it's okay so so it, it basically just affects your whether you're going to get like legendary which is like the highest level mm-hmm. of loot tier uh, so as you get higher like your percentage to get legendary stuff grows okay but at the lower levels you don't need legendary stuff it's just as more helpful so i've only okay. gotten one legendary drop ever okay but thankfully it was for a weapon that i would use and i've been using it since how does that work in the co-op mode like who's who's like what co-op mode <laughs> i uh i withdraw my question no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> no how, do, how does it work like whose difficulty are you going into is it like the party leader's difficulty yeah you're going into party leader's difficulty so it's their choice you're going into basically their game gotcha is how you're doing it okay um i haven't played co-op i've only been playing single player this entire time um, because I want to play the story as a single player experience. That way I don't have to like be rushed along or anything like that. Right. It's just, all right, I want to go at my own pace. And uh, it's been a challenge. It really has. Some of the levels are really difficult. Some of the enemies, some of the mechanics are very, very hard, which I've been enjoying. It, it's been a good change of pace from like 
like a destiny where you just blow through everything until the very end mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. this is a very like oh this is great but yeah outriders i can't wait i think i'm, I'm hopefully i'm going to complete it this week or next week so i can actually talk about the story because mm-hmm. the story is is for me really really good it's that, a good that was my sci-fi main draw. story yeah to it yeah is the story it was it was and it I still is play it i want to play it someone play with me <laughs> <laughs> I can't. i'll get you there Troy. My, my character yeah. class doesn't do well on its own because it's a it, uh, it i'm a tank so it's just like I, i'll i'll hit things everyone's looking at me i don't have anyone to defer it i need i need a second in order to play through or i restart the whole game as as your class with the turret I don't have any yeah, space true. on my PS5, Troy. Just wait until I beat one of the games that I said I was going to beat. Uh, <laughs> get rid of Rocket League. Never. <laughs> what? That's blasphemous. That is blasphemy. <laughs> All right. So that was my game, Outriders. And then what about you, Joe? What did you play this week? It was called Rain on Your Parade. And it was glorious. You play as a little cloud who has angry eyeballs who just rains on people's parades. What? That's what they that's <laughs> what clouds do. They just make rain. And it's cute. And he's not even really that angry, but he does have a little grouchy face sometimes while he's raining. And then he gets thunder powers and he gets snow powers. The very first level, you have to rain on somebody's wedding day. It's the best. All the little people are running around, and when you rain on them, they turn a different color, and they're like sad, and they're like, "Oh no, I'm wet now." It's the best. It's I can't even. I, I it's everything. I never thought I'd want to be a rain cloud, but I do. So, do you get like free rain? I, I didn't mean that, but I like. Do, do you actually get free rain to kind of go wherever you want, or or how how do you move around as a cloud? Okay, so it's kind of like uh, the style of Overcooked, where like you have a level system that's kind of opening up as you're beating levels. The more mm-hmm. levels open behind it, and you kind of ride your little okay. cloud. So each each level is like a like a different scene. Here's the wedding scene. Yes. Here's an actual parade. Yes. Here's some kid's birthday party, and then you. Just just exactly. ruin their day is that it is that the entire game you're, yes you're kind of just ruining people's days and then sometimes however you're putting out fires okay. which is cool Hey-o. the downside is you probably started those fires in the first place mm-hmm. but you know you're trying to correct the issues you may have made forest fires doing i don't hey. know like i'm a cloud i don't think about these things <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a fun sandbox just get in there and have fun it's type great of game that sounds oh, great. yeah definitely a little, and little, the, the yeah. look of this game is great too because it's the, it's kind of like a Princess Bride type story where it's like a grandfather telling their son or grandson a story mm-hmm. about a cloud, an angry cloud. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to like towards like a diorama. And then you're oh. playing basically inside this diorama. Oh, so your cloud is actually hanging by two pieces of string. It's, it's like as a cardboard cutout. playing that, like that depiction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I actually saw, Joe, I saw you play a little bit of this on stream, and I think my favorite thing that I saw was that your cloud at some point becomes an arsonist. Yeah. And just wants to, yeah, like, burn does. everything down. Oh, my. It's awful. The oil powers are scary. But, and I didn't even, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really like the levels where you have to start a fire and then, like, you continue burninating everything around whatever oh. it is by spreading the oil <laughs> everywhere. Wow. And I was like, this is, like, the worst. There was people in the warehouse when you're burning it down. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't like anything about this. But then they give you water so you can, you can put it out. So they get to escape. So it's okay. But <laughs> right. you still burn down the warehouse. So I don't know why that is the way it is but it is and yeah. it's really cute you, it's cute when you're burning everything down and, and this is a fun little game as well it's it's only 15 dollars yeah um Sweet. and it's available i think on the switch and uh, steam, uh, steam and a couple other places yeah. as well so it, it was great yeah. oh my gosh the, one of the best things about the whole game there are special levels that are based on tv shows and other games one of the oh. other levels was a a straight up metal gear solid like <laughs> game you you're you as the cloud they put the little uh, bandana across your head and across one of your eyes and they make it so that you have to sneak around before you can rain on the people and like it's oh my god yes. it was so funny it's so yeah. good it was everything there's an office episode of the, of the or level yeah. yeah it was great you're saying that in this game there was also an hour and a half cutscene of just the cloud there was <laughs> i was waiting Making for eggs. it yeah <laughs> it was, i wish i wish that when the sounds go off the little boop boop and it was like snag. I, I I was losing my stuff, guys. It, the, the sh- this this shouldn't be as good as it is, but the game is phenomenal. Cool. Yeah, it amazing. Was. All right, cool. So that was rain on your parade. And then speaking of snake, Hassel, what did you play this week? This week, um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the game I played on stream on Friday night. 
I'm going to talk about Metal Gear Solid 4, that good old title from 2008 by Konami and Kojima. Man, y'all, this game, this game feels <laughs> like a, it feels like, okay, hear me out. I feel like every single Metal Gear Solid game that I've played on stream so far has been a branch on a tree, right? And mm -hmm, it's been mm -hmm. kind of like this tree has like branched out and you get mm -hmm. to know all of these different characters and all of these different characters are doing this and that. And then Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots almost feels like those branches are coming back in and like they're realigning <laughs> with the tree. Oh, gosh. Ingrown branches. Exactly. And you're like... <laughs> Oh, wait a second. All of these characters are, like, connected. So I originally played this game back in, like, 2000, 2008, 2009, whenever it was that the PlayStation 3 came out because it was a launch title with it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember very, like, little bits and pieces of the game. I don't remember a lot of it. Like, spoiler alert, I didn't remember that Eva was in this game at all. And right, she yeah. is such a major character. Like, Eva is, like, a big boss's love interest from, like, the 1964 game. And, like, seeing this come back, and then she's like, oh, yeah, I am your mother, Snake. And I was just like, what? How did right. I not pick this up when I was younger? Like, yeah. man, young Hassel just did not pay attention to the things that he should have paid attention to. There's all these little threads that Kojima has put out in the previous three or three or four games before... Metal Gear 4 comes out and this game is really about taking that needle and then you're finally like oh look he's, he's making a scarf <laughs> this, 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 this wasn't just out there for no reason there's actually like something that brings it all together and it is this game right it's just it's such a weird thing to have like all of these stories kind of like culminate right and i know that there's another two games after this that i'm gonna that i'm gonna be playing right so there's metal gear solid uh ground zeros and then there's metal gear solid the phantom pain but this feels like a culmination story yes this feels like the yeah. very end of the story yes i mean you're you're playing as an older snake like he he's rapidly aging and like you can see the deterioration in his body like i love the little quirks that kojima put in the game like if you crouch for too long your back starts aching and you start kind of like twisting and turning and like hitting your back so it doesn't hurt <laughs> it's just it's so good but like i i i really feel now that i'm playing it again you know years later with like you know old hustle brain i'm getting that completion like feeling that i didn't get when i was younger it also helps that you're playing these games back to back because your retention yeah. for all of the mind boggling, like weird details of his universe are fresh for you, which they weren't necessarily at the time. You would go two or three right. years without any Metal Gear, and then you're like, Oh, I'm supposed to with the Lale Lule Lo, the Patriot, the who are <laughs> that? And the founders? I don't understand. Right. So I think the way you're doing it is actually a really good way to probably the only way to, for it to make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's also like no YouTube videos back then to explain what the heck happened in the previous games. You know, there's nope. not like there's exactly. not like 10 videos that are just like, hey, here's the best way to I, figure out how this is going. <laughs> I can tell you what there was. Weird online forums that young Troy was on. <laughs> Being like, Did you guys see how Big Mama is actually part of Le Fonterabis? And like <laughs> that, we had a whole little network. Oh my god! Um, on early internet, but yeah. So and I think what's what's adding to that feeling of completion is so you know it's it's been years later. Like Kojima and Konami have are broken up at this point. Who knows if they're ever gonna get back together for another Metal Gear Solid title? So I know that there's some finality to it, right? Yeah. I know mm -hmm. that there there may not ever be another Metal Gear Solid game in my lifetime right. directed by Kojima. So like. It's almost like I'm reliving these like games and I'm going, okay, I'm feeling at peace because I know that there's nothing else coming through in yeah. the next couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. watch watch somebody play this to me in six years from now when like the PlayStation 6 comes out and people are like, Kojima's back, Metal Gear Solid 6, Snake's Revenge, or whatever. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 6, something to prove. <laughs> Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Solid, Solid 6, proving Hassel wrong. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2077. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun playing every Friday night. I'm I'm having a lot of a lot of fun just kind of like reminiscing of like the you know how I played this game as opposed to how I'm playing it now. 
and being able to talk about it and stuff like that. And also kind of like looking at what a weird world Kojima was building for a 2014 world. Oh, so like yeah. the game technically takes place in 2014. Right. I've lived in 2014. In 27 in 2007. Yeah. Like <laughs> listen, 2014 did not look like that. I have no idea what 2014 <laughs> Kojima was looking at, but it's a lot of fun looking at these things like years later and going, "Huh. Look at that. That's kind of coming true." Cuz a lot of the stuff in that game is kind of coming true. Mhm. Just too early for Kojima. Just too early. He was a couple. <laughs> he was a couple of years away. Just a couple, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that was Metal Gear Solid Four, Guns of the Patriot. Correct. Mm-hmm. Guns of the all Patriot. All right. Can't believe I got that right. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> so I'll do it for our games. That brings us to our news section. News. 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 And this week, I'm going to start with a game that I play, and I don't know if anybody else does, but. It's, it's interesting, the conversation that's going to happen with this. So Path of Exile, which is kind of like a Diablo-type game, uh, came out with the new season of their game. And with it, it had a lot of problems. Uh, someone actually messed up the queue system at the programming level. So people had like queue times of up to two hours when it first came out, where normally it's maybe 15 minutes at most. It was just a whole lot of bad things going on at the start of this new season. And uh, unfortunately, though, at the same time, the company was paying some streamers to play the game for the first two hours of the update. Well, you can see where this is going because they had two hour queues. And so in order to prevent the sponsor streamers from just playing a loading screen for two hours and burning their money, uh, the company decided to fast track them in and let them in before other players. Um, and they did that with a couple other streamers as well, uh, choice streamers. And mm. so people were like, yo, what the hell? We're so us normal players just have to wait for two hours until you guys get your stuff together. But all these other people who already have more money that they know what to do with are getting in before us and, and, and getting to the end game and all this other stuff. What what the hell, guys? So it's it, for me, it's a very... Because I can see both sides of the argument. I can absolutely see the company going, we can't just have people playing a loading screen. And then as soon as they can get in, they're just going to log off because that's the end of their two-hour stream. Mm. Uh, and we can't... But, you know, as a player, it's like, well, why are you going to let them in? I, I, I mean, I should be just as important as they are. So it, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. But that that's for me, I, I, I see both sides. It's not that I'm not power to the players kind of a person. But to a degree, they are paying that person to publicize. They should just be clear that like, hey, those streamers are on the payroll. It's like. I mean, right. I know they're not technically employees, but they're if they're getting paid to show this company's game, then it makes... I think if, if they're just out with that, then it would make sense to be like, well, they're going to get the game first because they, they're working for them, mm-hmm. essentially. See, like, or, I... It's weird because, like, I... I want to say that I'm in the middle, but I'm also on uh, a little more of the side of like the company because like you've obviously paid these streamers like a lot of money in order to go ahead and like play it on stream. Mm-hmm. And man, if I was if I was an executive for a company and that was happening, that that's the choice I would have made. I would have been like, OK, prioritize them. Get them through the line. Exactly. Give exactly. them that Disneyland fast pass. Yeah. But then, <laughs> your, your game has to be great because you're going to make a lot of enemies out of your core fan base doing that oh yeah exactly so they said that they're going to change how they do this going forward so i think they might maybe delay sponsoring people to play it until like maybe an hour or two after the the new update comes out just in case this does happen again yeah they're not just yeah burning their money that's a better setting idea. their money on fire so but yeah that it was interesting to me i, I thought it was just a very interesting thing to happen. what would the opposite do like what if they released it first to the streamers before releasing it to to the rest of the people does that just mean uh, that that'd the be stream... way worse yeah does that just means the streamers are playing by themselves but they already do that with like early access and stuff yeah they, they do however there's an economy in the game so if the streamers oh, can get to the we'll end game, game first they're Got going to it. have you know that the economy aspect on them they're going to be able to set prices and stuff like that so gotcha it's it's not great uh but moving on to our next little subject uh cd project red revealed um out of the 13.7 million copies of cyberpunk 2077 sold only 30,000 people requested a refund and actually gotten them so i mean yeah it's not bad for a game that was released that was also on fire so <laughs> it makes it sound like hey not a lot of people actually refunded their games but to, to go even further the system to get your refund was really bad 
I, I know True. because I, I tried and not because I disliked the game, but I, I knew that I wasn't going to play it until the kind of fixed, more fixed version or smoother version came out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, until then, I might as well use that money for some other game. And then I tried, I tried to refund and everything, every, every place I went, I just, the, the, the server would crash or it was too many people trying to get a refund or they just didn't get back to me or it would idle out. And, and to be honest, like I wasn't that angry with the game that I was going to like stay there. I wasn't going to do the two hour wait to get my refund. I was just doing it more out of convenience. So I, so I didn't refund it. So I'm curious to see how many people actually would have if the system was, a little more uh, user friendly. Yeah, I will. I will say that there was a lot of confusion on that end because I am one of those people who uh, bought the game and I I did want to go ahead and refund it, but I, at the end of the day, I was just like, okay, I'll just put it back into my catalog until like I'm ready to go ahead and play it again. But I did that very similarly to Troy because it just there was no clarity about where to go. There was no clarity about whether to go to PlayStation, whether to go directly to CD Projekt Red or anything like that. So at the end of the day, I just kind of gave up. I was like, all right. I guess I guess that that'll just sit on the shelf for a little bit. Also, I just did the math. Thirty thousand refunds at sixty nine ninety nine a copy comes out to a a little under two million dollars or two point one million dollars, yeah. which is a lot of money. It is. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And then last week I talked about Pokemon Snap getting a photo service. Well, Final Fantasy fourteen is getting in the photo book service now, and uh, you know this being a Final Fantasy thing, you know it's going to have a long name. So it's being called Final Fantasy XIV Custom Order Photo Book Memories of Light. <laughs> Memories what of a name. Light. <laughs> Memories of Light. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know how they have a, like a Snoop Dogg generator and like a uh, mm-hmm. Wu-Tang Clan name generator? I need a Final yeah. Fantasy name generator just for anything I write going forward in the future. Anything, or just yeah. I don't care. Just whatever I need it. Fantasy of Lights, Magic of Lights, whatever it is. God, yeah, whatever so it is. Final Fantasy. <laughs> That's so square. Memories of light. Phoenix. Yeah, it is. Uh, and ah. you can actually order a six by eight inch, 48 page book for $35, or you can get one with a custom cover for five bucks more. Okay. And uh, it's not bad. It's full color. It's You use screenshots from the game or you know whatever you've taken inside the game. You get 48 pages worth of stuff out of it. And it's not terrible. And the service right now is also only available in Japan, unfortunately. They might expand it later. Who knows? It's a fun little thing. Fun I little still thing. feel I like, cool. yeah, it, it's so it's super cool that they're doing this, but I still feel more aligned with getting my Pokemon Snap uh, pictures developed than like Final Fantasy. Well, yeah, they can be stickers. Exactly. I mean, like that's True, already yeah. kind of winning. I don't know, man. I want my picture of my Chocobo. And I want a lot of them. <laughs> everywhere. Sitting, 48 eating. pages of them. Yeah. <laughs> Can you order a 48-page book of just your Chocobo? You could. It's your screenshots, man. You can do what you want. Nice. And then just put it like on the coffee table, like just be mm-hmm. like, have it be a coffee table book. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you have the cover be like of a, uh, of something completely different. Right. So I would be like, oh, what is this? And you open it up. It's like, what? Why is this just all chocobo? Oops, all chocobos. What, what's going on here? <laughs> and then Sony is reversing course on some of the online stores closing. We announced this, I think, last week as well, or maybe the week before. But they were closing down the PlayStation Three, the PSP, and the Vita stores. And what kind of confusion this might cause. They've reversed course. They're only closing the PSP store for right now. They are leaving both the PlayStation 3 and the Vita ones open until further notice. Okay. So, not bad yeah. for, for game at, preservation. At least this gives some people time to figure out what they want to do with those games. Because, I mean, right. they're gonna, those stores are going to close. It's, it's going to happen. But at least oh, now yeah. people have some type of plan on what to do with those games that they've bought or, or whatever. Or they want to buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And then finally, we have some sad news, especially for Troy. What? Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan no. is leaving Blizzard. Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah, he's leaving Blizzard, or Activision Blizzard, I should say. Hey, everyone. Jeff from Overwatch here. <laughs> I'm so sad. Jeff Kaplan is just like, not just the face of Overwatch, but really kind of the heart. He's been at Blizzard for 19 years, helped champion a lot of the, the the tenets of World of Warcraft that we see here today that made it so popular. And just his journey with Overwatch has been such a personal one that to see him out before the next game drops does make me a little a little irksome. I know it's all good. Look, we all went through a rough year last year. I I'm sure he probably you know, did everything he could to make last year work and then was mm-hmm. like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think I've done enough. 
but he will just be missed. He would update the game every once in a while, and just hearing his zest for the community was always a light. Um, I honestly don't think he's done with Overwatch. I think he'll still be a personality. I think he'll still probably okay. be at some of the games as a fan, you know? He just mm-hmm. won't be in on the development floor anymore, which is okay. It's okay. They got a good person taking his lead, Aaron Luwal or Lernal, um, who's been working side by side with Jeff. And so I think they'll do a great job. They're they're just as passionate. And uh, I'm gonna stop talking because uh, I'm gonna start crying. So <laughs> someone, someone please. Ask do you me think this is gonna make Jeff like take the leap into Overwatch League team management or like purchasing? No. Like no, is he gonna, gonna be become an owner? He's going pro player. He's no, going to be a pro player. It's going to be him, a, a bunch of 19-year-olds, and then 50-year-old <laughs> Jeff <laughs> on the end. Hey, guys, I, I, got a, I got a mean Lucio. Let's go. He's the ringer. Yeah, he's actually going to be the newest hero in Overwatch 2. Right. Uh, got you it. don't know it. Oh, he, he quit <laughs> to become a full-time fictional character in the universe of Overwatch. <laughs> Smart move, man. Smart move. Live on forever. Hell yeah, Jeff. <laughs> we'll see you down the road. We'll see him down the road, exactly. All right, so I'll do it for our news, and that brings us to our Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic! Ba-bow. And this week is going to be brought to us by Hassel. Yeah. So, guys, with Mortal Kombat being released to streaming services this weekend, I wanted to ask y'all a couple of questions. So when the inevitable happens and, you know, these video game franchises get their time to shine at the box office, I want to know what your preference is. Do you want to see a cheesy, fun story come to life? Or do you want to see that cinematic masterpiece, that end-all, be-all Hollywood Academy Award-winning Prince of Persia? (laughs) So, uh, hey, I liked Prince of Persia. All right, <laughs> Prince of Persia was not terrible. I did too. It was, I know Troy didn't enjoy it, <laughs> no, but I, I enjoyed it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. It may not have aged well, but it I may like not it. have. It's I liked true. that movie when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Troy, why don't you start us off? What What is your preference? So I thought that I really liked. I liked like the cheesy kind of uh, video games, and based on Mortal Kombat, like Mortal Kombat for me growing up as a kid was pretty much what Mortal Kombat the game was. It was just fighting and blood and dumb, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great. This is everything I want." And then I became like a movie snob, and like I went through. I'm not. I'm not a movie snob anymore. Don't get me wrong. I went through a phase. I watched Citizen Kane a bunch. Well, once, mm-hmm. but you know, I thought I talked about it like I like I'd watched it a bunch. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm on the other side of that, I think I, I do like when uh, creators can take the subject material and then make a really great cinematic experience out of it. And to be honest, you know what? My, my example is Mortal Kombat. I was like, I only thought of Mortal Kombat as being kind of a very dumb fighting thing. But then if you remember that that YouTube fan uh, uh, story that came out mm-hmm. where they redid Mortal Kombat, but they made the tone kind of serious. They they showed some of the powers instead of being fantasy, kind of like tech based, and they made a really gripping cinematic story. And I was there, like like <laughs> like forty five minutes in, being like, "Do I care about the Mortal Kombat universe? <laughs> when did this happen?" And I think that's why I kind of like I like at least the attempt. They don't they don't succeed. They very rarely do. But I like the attempt to try and make something very substantial out of the kind of the baseline game because they actually make me care for the game more. When I go back and play Mortal Kombat now, I actually play for the story. When did that happen? How did that happen? They incorporated (laughs) cinematic story elements into the game now. So that's where I'm at. I like to see them at least attempt. Like I said, it mostly fails, but I like the attempt. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring up that Mortal Kombat um, YouTube like fan made thing because it really does go to show that, you know, if the people understand the source material and they like, you know, love the source material, they're going to at least attempt to do a good job at bringing that to life. And there's some dumb stuff in it. Yeah. It's it's not like as dumb. <laughs> yeah, like we're seeing that we're seeing that with like Marvel, we're seeing that with like all of these different like IPs, like if you love it, you're going to do a good job bringing it to life. 
Yeah, Detective Pikachu, like, if they had made Detective Pikachu like the game, that would have been a horrible movie. It, right. Like, but the idea yes. that they brought in a pathos to that character and had, like, really fun actors and great actors to kind of flesh out that story made me enjoy, like, I kind of want to play Detective Pikachu now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Joe? I am on the absolute opposite end of that coin. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have no harm. I no harm, no foul, though. Like I, yeah. I love a good movie, and I'm I'm about good writing when it comes to movies in general. If you write a good movie, whether it's cheesy or cinematically masterpiece, and like, I have a good time watching it. I'm very easy to please. But I will say, when it comes to video games, I really like when they kind of get where they're coming from, and they're pandering almost a little bit to mm -hmm. me the person who liked that game already and like doa is a great example i really like that movie because that movie is in every way shape and form watching it is how i got the same feeling that i got from right. playing those games and from watching other people play those games like mm -hmm. they added the, the extreme volleyball into it and it's like this is the most ridiculous stuff and i it just it just i light up when i see like the silly little nods and things where they didn't have to go that cheese level, but they did, and I love it. <laughs> and I, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I really, I don't need the movie to be anything more than it already was. And if it's more, that's awesome. Right. But if it's not, and it's still cheesy, I've never been a, a big Street Fighter game fan, but that movie is one of those like ultimate, penultimate bad movies, right? right. Yeah. But I like it. Every time it's on, I have to leave it on at least up until Bison's speech about Tuesday. Because like yeah. it's, you know, every, Street Fighter's on every day. But when Raul Julia says it was just a Tuesday, you know, it's just it's perfect in every way. And yeah. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, give me some fun cheese. I'm okay with that. I get, I'll enjoy it. It's all good. Yeah. I don't need everything to be like, like Citizen Kane is the gag, you know, like I don't, I don't need everything to be that deep in feeling. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think I think there is certain like a, an amazing value for a movie that knows exactly who they are, right? Like, just they mm -hmm. they know that hey, the source material for this is just cheese balls. So like, we I are, would yeah. say that that it's it's just as difficult to make a movie that actually captures the feeling from the game. I feel like yeah. a lot of people also try to do that, and it also fails. Either they're trying too hard to be something else, or or they just don't make it. I guess maybe different enough or something. Mm -hmm. But that that is hard to actually capture that feeling from a game. I feel like a lot of people don't even don't don't try. I think it's kind of like the original Mortal Kombat movies that came out. You've got the first one that a lot of us it's nostalgia. We mm -hmm. really like it. It was right. a lot of fun. It has the most epic theme song like almost ever in oh, it, yeah. you know. And it's it's iconic for what it did for video game movies because people who liked Mortal Kombat games, I mean, I obviously can't speak for everyone, but most of the people that I knew we all loved Mortal Kombat and we loved that first movie. And then the second movie came out and we were, it was completely the opposite feeling though. It had went so far into the cheese factor. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even the same thing anymore. Like they, they didn't even know what they were doing and they were just like, we'll just throw that in there and throw that in there. It was missing like the charm and mm. the love. I very vividly remember that Cyrax, Cyrax uh, battle or like fight inside yeah. of like the, the, that factory. And I remember going, all right, how did we get here? <laughs> Where are we right now? <laughs> um, but how about you, Brian? I actually like a little bit of a balance. Uh, I do lean more towards the Ooh. cheese factor. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm playing both Brian. sides, man. I'm playing both sides. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I like I love the cheese factor of everything. I love when they toss in a nod. I love like I want Sonic to say chili dog. You know, I, I I just want him to say it. it doesn't have to, I don't even care what con what context it could be in. He could be in the middle of a sentence, say chili dog for no reason, and I would still cheer for it because that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I also do like when they do try to like have some sort of story, like with the Sonic movie. They really did try to have like a, a thorough story too. A little like, hey, look, Sonic is from a far off planet, and mm -hmm. he's he's he has right. to hide from these specific yeah. things because of this. The specific, idea that you know, he's whatever. a loner in an unfamiliar land, like they're like they made a, a bit of a pathos for him as well. A stranger yeah. in a strange world. Is that like classic Absolutely. like and fish then, out of water story? Yeah, and then you have Jim Carrey, Jim carrying it up in it in the middle of it, being Doctor Robotnik and being this ridiculous character that he is from the comics. And from the from the cartoons and from all this other source material. And I just ate that up <laughs> because it was my two favorite things. It was Dr. Robotnik and, and, you know, from from the cartoons. And it was Jim Carrey just being Jim Carrey yeah. for the first time in quite a while. And I <laughs> loved seeing that matching, that pairing of it. And because it was just pure cheese. 
that had mostly nothing to do with the story. Him yeah. dancing inside the trailer had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> like, but I loved it so much. So I'm 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 a little bit on the fence on this one. Uh, but I'm leaning more towards cheese. Gotcha. You know, maybe you you can you kind of kind of won me over a little bit. I I think I I think maybe where where I'm at because as you're talking about Sonic and things like that, I I think those are the movies that I expect. Like I, I expect them to make a movie that's going to capture the vibe of that game and just how silly it may be. But if one can transcend to do this like cinematic movie thing that like really pays good respect to the story and the characters and developers and makes like this really cinematic thing, I'm hoping for that. Correct. But I, I don't necessarily, I know that it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm very much happy with them not attempting to do that and just having fun and just making a dumb, fun yep. video game movie. Yeah. I, it makes me think of when you brought up Detective Pikachu, because I hadn't thought about Detective Pikachu specifically, because mm-hmm. yeah. the movie is very different from the games. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I feel like Detective Pikachu went further than just Detective Pikachu games. Like, they were giving us an entire Pokemon world. Yeah. So we were not just getting that feel of that one game. Like, they gave me an expansive universe that Pokemon and people live together and work together and are, you know, like, our our soulmates, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that almost won me a little bit to the other (laughs) side. Ooh, that was a really... And I think that's a good movie. Like, I don't think that's just a a good for a video game movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a really good, good memory and good times of thinking of that movie and how it's actually yeah. just written well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I actually pushed it off for quite a long time to see it because we, honestly, I think we were both just like really bit busy. And during quarantine, we decided, it was like, oh, let's give it a shot. And we were both so dumbfounded by how much we enjoyed that movie. That movie was right? so good. I think for me, overall, I think it's just, I want the movie to give me the same feeling I have playing the game. I think that's okay. what it comes down to. Like, I just want to feel... Like, whoever made the movie is, like, doing the game justice, right? Like, I don't care if it's, like, Wes Anderson's Mortal Kombat. As long as... (laughs) (laughs) I would live for that. I can only imagine how long the fatalities would take to do. He would be traveling. Yeah, (laughs) They would be so quirky. As (laughs) Sub-Zero. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Long as Scorpion. Could you um, uh, come over here? (laughs) Bill Murray as Liu Kang. (laughs) But yeah, like as long as whoever's making the movie is paying justice to the game that came before and like the lore, I think I'm I think I'm good with it. Like, you know, bless all of them. But like Resident Evil continues to try. Like, I have no idea how many Resident Evil movies are there are. There's like Like, six or seven. I've seen too many. Way too many. Yeah. But like every time one of them just like bombs, they go back to the drawing board. Let's let's see what we can go ahead and make in, in the next one. So um, that's fair. Yeah, I think I think more uh, for me, it's more about that feeling. Like I want to feel like I'm playing the game. Thank you guys so much for bringing bringing all of your thoughts. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave off with one question. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite video game movie? Right off Damn. the top of the first one that comes ahead. First one that comes. Doa. To, Joe. Doa. Brian. It would probably have to be the new Sonic movie. Actually, I really did enjoy that movie. Nice. Nice. Troy. Um, for me, it's uh, the latest Mortal Kombat that came out. Obviously, we all saw it as of today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm saying right now it's going to be my favorite. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't come out by the time we recorded this. But I'm telling yeah. you right now, it is going to be, be your best favorite video game movie that has mm-hmm. ever been made. And it's my favorite. I love it. Fair. Confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Wes Anderson. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go with Wes Anderson. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it off. I think my favorite video game movie has to be the original Street Fighter, because it's just yeah. so ridiculous. And it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, it, you is. Can't... it is. And you know, none of us mentioned Super Mario Brothers. I was literally going to yeah. say, you better <laughs> say Super Mario Brothers, because if none of us mention it, that would be sad. That would be sad. Oh, God. I just I just can't go back to it. Like, Dennis Hopper as, like, Bowser, I was just like, oh, no. Bowser? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and, they, and they tried to do a story. Just, no. Nope, nope, nope. It's probably one of the only movies in my entire life that I did not like. Like, I straight oh, up yeah. don't like that yeah. movie. It's not fun to watch. I don't have a good time when it's on. I have more fun talking about how bad it is than yeah. actually watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys for taking oh, that right. journey with me. That's been our Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. And now that brings us to our Dragon of the Week. It's the Dragon of the Week. Oh, it's so sweet. It's the Dragon of the Week. And it is neat. Dragon of the Week. 
Dragon of the Week is the segment where we shine a little light, show a little love to the video game industry and all the people who make the games that we love to play. Bringing us our Dragon of this week is Brian. That's right. And this week, I'm going to be bringing you guys Joseph Fares, the founder of Hazelite Studio and the creator of Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, A Way Out, and It Takes Two that just came out. Awesome. So Joseph Fares was born September 19th, 1977 in Beirut, Lebanon. And oh. for people who don't know, Lebanon was going through a civil war at the time, and things were not good for Joseph or his family, unfortunately. Aww. As he puts it, I experienced a lot of things a child should not. Aww. And it was during this time that, due to him not being able to do anything outside, that he started creating stories in his head. He was fantasizing about things that just could never be. And so getting out of Lebanon, though, was a nightmare if you didn't have money. Thankfully, he had a grandmother living in Sweden. So after his father had saved up for years and after their family's fifth application, wow. they were finally able to leave. Oh, wow. Gosh, you forget that there is so much struggle in this world that oh, so gosh, much it, it, you, you, we can't process it all. It's too much. But but yeah, I remember wow. that entire thing going on while I was growing up. And I was just like, right. oh, my God. And then when I was researching him, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, right. that was Th during that time. Thanks to Grammy Graham. All right, Grams. Yeah, clutch. thankfully. And so this was 1987. And uh, Joseph was only 10 years old when he when he moved to Sweden. And he was actually learning, I think, his third language at the time. He was learning Swedish yeah. in, in Sweden. But while he was there, though, he actually didn't have restrictions on what he could or couldn't do in Sweden that he had in Lebanon. And uh, he put that freedom to good use. He made his first film when he was 15. What? And uh, he had made more than 50 of them by the time he got into film school at the age of 21. What? 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 Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how quickly it turns around. It just he just got, got to, to work. work. He was creating all these stories in his head. You know, in Lebanon, and then he was actually able to do them when he was in Sweden. Wasted Gosh, absolutely things, no time. The, the, no the time. productivity that people can have when they're not playing video games all the time, <laughs> it boggles <laughs> me. It boggles it's me. Goodness. Crazy. <laughs> right? And then two years later, in the year 2000, he directed Jala Jala. I'm sure I'm butchering that name. But it actually became Sweden's most popular film of the year and his breakout film. Okay. Um, his older brother, Fares Fares, starred in the film, and he, too, took off in the acting scene after that. Um, his next several films were commercial and critical successes in Sweden, and uh, he actually became known as the Martin Scorsese of Sweden. Everybody oh, there knew him. I would get that tattooed on me immediately if I was him. <laughs> like the first person that calls me the Martin Scorsese of Sweden, right on the lower back. Hell yeah. And it was at this time in 2010 that a local school in Sweden was actually holding a game design course. And they invited Fares to speak to some of the students to just do it like from like a director slash film perspective, like of how you could do games. And uh, after his speech, though, they asked him, hey, uh, you, you want to stay on and design a prototype with us? And uh, he was in between films at the time and he always had a love of video games. So he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Let's, you know, that, this will be a fun six weeks. Why not? <laughs> And this actually became the start of what would become Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, oh. uh, which is a single player co-op game where you control two different characters at the same time using one controller. Whoa. He says, essentially, I wanted to tell a story about relationships, but oddly enough, it had to be played alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Hassel, I don't know. If, have you played Brothers? I have not. No. It, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of a kind. Yes. It, it is. It, it, it's a yeah. unique game. My first foray into Hazel Life Studio is is actually it takes two. So oh okay. Oh yeah. So you know he got the idea. He you know they, at the end of the six weeks he was like, all right, you know I actually want to shop this around because I actually believe in this a lot. So he shopped the idea around to major studios, but they all wanted to make it like an actual co-op game uh, with two people playing it. But uh, Joseph was like, no, that's that's not what this game is about. Thankfully though, local game developer Starbreeze Studios wanted to create their own IP. And when Joseph came to them with the idea, they like almost immediately greenlit it. They're like, all right, we've been wanting to do our own thing. Let's do this. So during the making of the game, Joseph had a pretty rigid way of how he wanted to make it. Uh, some people were trying to like gamify it and add collectibles and other mm. things to it. But he was like, no, no, no. This is how the game's going to be. And this is just how it's going to be. All right. <laughs> yes. Visionary sticking to their guns. I love it. Exactly. And you're not going to tell the Martin Scorsese of Sweden. No. Like, no. Right? Check the tattoo. <laughs> no one would. Come on. Are you kidding me? Nobody. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the reason why he was being so steadfast in the game not being co-op is because of the ending. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you haven't played the game. I apologize, spoiler, but I'm about to spoiler. spoil the end of it. Ooh. So uh, skip ahead like a minute, 30 seconds, however, if you don't want to hear it. But he wanted the player to have a sense of loss in the game. At the end, one of the brothers dies. And so you actually have to bury him using the controls of the games of the other brother. And it's actually very unintuitive because you control the brothers with the two analog sticks at the bottom. And the brother that dies is the left stick. So you actually do do all of like the normal movement skills just using the right stick. And you don't even have access to one of your arms. You're just doing everything with your right hand, which is not what you would normally do in a game. And unfortunately, though, this also parallels to his childhood. Uh, Joseph had always wanted a younger brother. And he wanted to be an older brother so he could teach what he learned from his older brother to pass it on. And so when his mother was pregnant with the boy, he was completely overjoyed. But then when it came time to birthing him, the child did not survive. And so he actually wanted to bury the boy himself. So the mother gave the child to him and he and his sister found a place and buried him. Oh, yeah. And this was still while he was in Lebanon. So he was younger than 10 when this happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was that's crazy. so heavy. Something, something's in my eye. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me oh, too. I oh, believe me, it was something was in my eye when I was reading this. It was <laughs> rough. Wow. But this actually is what shaped him into who he is. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons is essentially a game about a boy becoming a man, and that's how he puts the game as well. His next game, A Way Out, he made to be a co-op game first and designed everything around that. Uh, He says many companies do the opposite. They make a single player game and add co-op to it as an afterthought. And then then, like the publishers are like, or like the producers are like, hey, I make it, make it multiplayer. Put it online. Yeah, do it, do that. We'll get more money that way. Make it multiplayer. Yeah. And at the end of that game, you actually have to make a choice many people don't want to. And he says it was designed that way because sometimes you don't always get what you want in a game, but it's the game's vision. Right. And uh, he kind of parallels it to Last of Us 2. Like, that's not a game that a lot of people wanted to play, but it is the game's vision. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the game you're presented. Yeah. Here you go. And, um, he, and in case you guys want to know, his brother was actually in that game, if you didn't know. Really? His brother actually played Leo, or as Joe calls him, The Nose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I, took a, I took a look at his brother. Um, that's Leo. That's like his, his brother. His brother looks like that? Nice. Yeah, that's oh, what his brother like looks like. Oh, that's fantastic. It's like, what if his brother was Italian, pretty much, oh, is what wow. I got from it. <laughs> he does the voice for him, too? I believe he does, yes. Wow, that's That's special. awesome. That's a awesome. And in fact, his brother has actually been in like Chernobyl, uh, the HBO series. He's been in a couple of things. Like He's actually a, a kind of a big actor himself, which is pretty dope. He actually played King and Joffrey. Fun fact. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I thought about that for a second. I was like, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that it's awesome that he's still incorporating his family into everything that he does. Like, if you look at his first movie, uh, Farah Farah, basically that, that means hurry, like, you know, hur- you know, hurry along. In his first breakout movie, like I said, his brother was a star, and then he actually had a bunch of his other family in it as well. And so he's he's very family-oriented, which awesome. makes a lot of sense given yeah. his given They his survive past. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he actually just released It Takes Two. And so, as you guys know, it is very, very good. And uh, Joseph continues doing things only he can. And I look forward to seeing where life brings him. I'll end on a quote where he says about games. I think at the end of the day, it's about existing. It's about saying, here I am. Look at me. Love me. Hmm. I think that's the greatest creative goal there is to express yourself, to let people see who you are. Yeah, I, I remember my first time um, knowing who he was was at the Game Awards many years ago. I think he was promoing A Way Out. And he was, he was on stage with the host. And what your your quote that you just read is exactly what he was. He was himself. He expressed himself. And I think the funniest thing about it is that he just kept swearing on this live show. And he was just like over the top and was just so excited and passionate about games and the game he was making that there was no script. He went on for like seven minutes. <laughs> the, the host yep. was just like, this is your show now. His passion endeared me so much to who he was that I was like, I need to know what this guy has made. And then I was like, oh, you made Brothers. I love that game. Oh, and you're making this and now i know that wherever this person goes to make more games like i'm there because it his translates his art translates through his personality which translates into his game and i i love the vision i love the passion yep oh highly agreed highly highly agreed and his uh that speech that he gave which is known as uh f the oscars yes speech yes um (laughs) 
he, he actually has a clip of that speech in a, It Takes Two. It's really? a Easter egg. Joe and I found it. It was great. Nice. It's so good. <laughs> look it up. Look it up on YouTube. He's very entertaining to just watch. His normal state is just him is just entertaining. That's great. He is. He is. Uh, thank you so much, Joseph Fars, who has been my Dragon of the Week. Dragon of the Week. All right. So now that brings us to the end of this week's episode. But you can always find us online. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can follow us online. Check us out on Twitter for our indie game updates, on Instagram for updates and silly images, on Discord for daily discussions, and on Twitch for live gaming and chatting every day of the week. We are at Taste of Dragons everywhere, and we'd love to hear from you. And then we also have our comments of the week, our gem of the week, our beeb of the week, if you will. And I followed that. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, comment. it was good. Yeah. It's a gem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. It's good. And uh, this week, Joe's going to be bringing it to us. We would like to give a big old giant shout out to the joy of painting minis this week for this gem of a comment. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. And I heard, quote, we saw the quantum realm and now we see the cheese stuff. <laughs> End quote. Wait, what? <laughs> if you'd like to be next week's featured uh, gem of the week, our commenter of the week, hop into our Twitch and just join the chat. Make us laugh and we'll repay it kindly. <laughs> we'll pay it forward. That's Thanks, right. Joy of Painting Minis. Yes, thank you. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and as always, though, my name is Brian. My name is Troy. I'm Hassel. And I'm Joe. And we are... The Taste of Dragons. Have a great week, everyone. Time to watch Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Oh, wait, hang on a second. You guys want to start a FIFA tournament? No, wait, I'll write her Taste of Dragons Gaming Podcast, a podcast for everyone's taste.